0: I'm your host David Nage. This is Base Layer where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views,
1: information, or opinions expressed during the Base Layer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Arca where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research.
0: Baselayer is sponsored by Diginex and by its digital asset exchange, Equas. As an exchange, Equas is focused on delivering innovative product compliance, fairness, and most importantly, trust. In a time when institutional investors are beginning to seriously review digital assets for their portfolio, these are key elements necessary to build bridges to new investors. Equas currently provides digital asset spot trading and perpetual futures, and plans to soon offer dated futures and options. Parent company Diginex also provides capital markets advisory asset management and custody. To check them out, you can go to diginex.com and equos.io. That is E-Q-U-O-S dot I-O. This is David this is your new episode of Base Layer, And this is going to be really interesting because there's a whole new world. Well, it's not really new because it's been going on for a few years under the radar of something called NFTs. There's this kind of Cambrian explosion which I've been saying for many months on decentralized finance uh, but now that is pivoting to this world of art of gaming of avatars of this metaverse that we have been talking about and I'm really happy to have Alex Skalnikov with me today. He is the co-founder at Rarible which is a very big piece of what's happening here. Alex how are you?
1: Hey David, thanks for having me. Uh with this Cambrian explosion of NFT use cases, as you just told, I'm extremely busy these days. But uh, it's it's also the most exciting moments. So I'm happy to be here and happy to share my thoughts.
0: Very good. So what we like to do before we get too far into variable and this world, just a little bit of a history on you. Many people are interested. How did all of these founders get to this point? Why did they create the projects and the companies that they did? And so, give us a little bit of backdrop. You know, how did you get into this world? You know, not necessarily your when. You know, if it was Bitcoin, when your Bitcoin moment was per se in the timeline. But what about all of the things that are happening here? Kind of led you down to this path. What got you here?
1: Well, that's a long story, actually. So I've gotten <laughs> to crypto. In 2012, uh, that that's pretty early, uh, considerable uh-huh. for Bitcoin space. Uh-huh. Uh, I bought my first Bitcoin by sixty dollars. It just wow. crashed at one point, and and, and I, I I felt that it's it's the time when I need to do this. I sold it the next day, one hundred twenty. I made my two X. Uh, <laughs> yep.
0: It's it's more of a joke, right? A lot of people have been there. They thought they were the next Warren Buffett of digital assets. There you go. <laughs>
1: sure but uh the thing that i want to highlight here is the this uh, sense this feeling that uh, that I experienced when I had my first bitcoin and my wallet it's the ultimate sense of ownership of something so i knew that I, i'm i'm a technical guy i knew that I can make this signature even if the wallet is is is, is like uh is dying if the the one of the products is what is, is, is like just uh, out of the business. another mm-hmm. is there is I can make this by my own hands with my own hands. I, I can write a script that will make this signature. I can I do have this open source software on the internet that basically is the ultimate power of, of something that I hold and nobody will be able to take that pro- away from me without my will. That is the fi- final sense of ownership that that they experience, and I believe the NFTs does the same. So, but uh, uh, we'll get back to this a little bit later. Uh, since two thousand twelve, I've built a numerous amount of stuff, uh, trading robots, exchanges with the fixed rate order book-based exchange but, uh, with with short sales and leverages, a lot of math, a lot of financial stuff were going uh, on during all these years. And, and uh, last year, uh, during 2017, I, I, I met my co-founder, Alexei. He's the CEO now, and I, I'm a chief product officer here. So I, I do mostly the strategy and, and the prioritization of stuff that we want to build. We, we we came together and we were building Earthsuit C2 Nations platform. So Rarebo is kind of the logical step in in our acquired experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, our head of design Ilya, I know him for six years. We've built a lot of products with him. Also, so that's that's kind of like uh, being in business team right now and um yeah nfts are just reminded me of this the first feeling that i've got uh, when when dealing with crypto and and that's that's how we pick them
0: right so rarible is the premier nft marketplace where you can mint buy and sell digital collectibles without any coding skills for those that are listening that do not have any background in digital assets that are starting to learn about this world, I'm sure that the fact that they don't have to have any coding skills is something that they're very excited to hear about. So let's talk about what NFTs are. This is a little bit of a, a little bit of a primer. Um, obviously, for those that are very well versed in this, um, this might be a little bit of you know kind of one on one stuff where you can grab a cup of coffee and just relax for a minute but for those that don't know what nfts are and don't understand what this is all becoming just very briefly you know what is an nft as it relates to digital assets as it relates to collectibles as it relates to everything else
1: Oh yeah. so uh let us start from the beginning there then Mm, right now how do you know that you own something on the internet I I believe you don't. So when you go to the Google Google services or Apple services, you can't really move your. uh, You you don't really own your email address, or you don't really own your your music library. You can't even move it from Spotify to to Apple Music, Um, and uh, this is not much of the problem. that somebody else has a custody of your data for you. But uh, those big companies, they are kind of monopolies and they are trying to compete with each other. And that's why they don't let you go. So this whole blockchain world is an attempt and is a big experiment uh, to rebuild all the systems top down, up down top, basically, when the users are the first who are custodying their data. And NFTs is just basically very well thought out standard on how do you cast your data so there are usual fungible tokens that represent some number that uh, they more look like an account in your bank you can uh, you can have something like 100 of something or 1000 of something something fungible something countable that or the usual and erc20 tokens and with nfts it's a token that represents something unique something uncountable something that that is 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 singular by nature let's say an item inside the game you have a weapon uh, that's that's uh an nft that's a unique token representing something so basically it mostly feels like a digital item that belongs to you you can change your wallet you can you can install a new software you can move from one marketplace to another and you will always hold this nft nft is represented in your wallet as as a as i'd say a card Like something tangible, it has a visual attachment. It has a it has a picture. It has a name. It has a description. And overall, that that mostly look from from outside that mostly look like a like a card in 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 a collectible game. That's that's an NFT. But underlying that can be key to basically anything. You can have some financial product unlocked by having NFT as a key, or you just have uh, can have NFT in itself just a art uh, as, as is an nft because mm-hmm. uh, just you, you just put your picture inside nft and that becomes a, a, a right to, to, to owning this picture
0: right so let's talk about that so art and the high net worth family office institutional investors who listen to my show are big collectors of art have been for years this has been something where they have poured hundreds of millions of billions of dollars into it because again you know you have a van Gogh. the idea is that there is not many others out there of that particular painting you know that is the epitome of scarcity and so talk to us about this confluence of art and nfts because i think a lot of them will find that very interesting
1: well uh again let's start here applying the basic ideas so uh, let's say you're a digital artist and you came up with a beautiful artwork that you want to sell, that you want to show somewhere else, that you want to do something with it. There is no much places on the internet where you can do that. So although, of course, there are up places when you can go upload your image and, and sell it to, to somebody who likes it. But what will this new owner do with it afterwards, after he purchases it? So, uh, who would believe that this new owner was an original purchaser of some art, of some collector, of some artist? Uh, this, this basically the, if we have some, some place to sell digital art, we don't have a place to resell it now. Mm, That's where this NFT standard comes in. Uh, on blockchain you have a digital provenance you can track the previous owner you can track the owner before the previous owner and that that's this chain goes to the first creator of the work each of them has a unique address in the network they ha- they can have a nickname they, ha- they can have a picture they mm-hmm. want to be anonymous they are say anonymous but overall you have this you basically what you do is you merge you merge the specific picture and and don't let me discourage anyone by saying this is a picture because I'm a technical person. Uh, so picture is a medium. Mm-hmm. And and you merge the picture with the person who owns it and with the person who created that. So this, this NFT is basically the, the the is the fusion of of the medium itself and the person who holds right to it, rights right. to it.
0: So the idea is taking what we know from the real world, I guess you can say, the one that we can feel and touch and smell, taking that idea of that scarcity, of that artistic scarcity, again, using a Degas, a, you know, a Van Gogh, something of that nature, something out there that is tangible, something that you can go to a museum and smell it and see it. Can't touch it, of course, but, you know, seeing that and then taking that kind of idea of real world scarcity. And moving it to digital. So again, there's this you know this idea that if someone out there who's an amazing artist, you know, creates a beautiful digital representation of something out there, that it can't just be copied and pasted and effectively diluted. Correct?
1: Yeah, that's the most important thought, thought out there. Just we just replicate some psychological aspect from the real life into the digital world the that's the ba- the biggest problem uh when you create a physical copy uh it takes it takes a specific amount of time to to build it, and it's so hard to 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 draw the exact replica of it. And of course, some people do it, but generally, this is where the scarcity comes from because it takes time to create something in the digital world or in any in the in usual world. In the digital world, on the other hand, you can copy that in in a second, in a minute. And uh blockchain came here, eliminated that possibility. Now you only know that there is like five, only five options only five editions of that particular work and you can own one of them and there won't be any other copy of it that's that's the ultimate value proposition here
0: right that makes sense so let's talk a little bit about how this all works so for those again who are getting a primer on nfts and learning about this whole world all of this is predominantly driven on ethereum correct 100% correct that's right and so the reason behind that is why why ethereum versus other chains out there is it predominantly because of the the market and because of the engineering talent behind there is it because of smart contracts what specifically about ethereum versus other chains out there has really made nfts and ethereum kind of a marriage together
1: well i believe that's an easy question because ethereum was one uh, was just the first uh, smart contract platform out there. In order to create an NFT, you need to program how it would behave. You need to program that there will be only one copy or five copies. You need to program that it can be sold or it can't be sold. Uh, you need to program how it would, would be moved. So that was initially possible on the on Ethereum uh, that came just after the Bitcoin and and that's that's the ultimate uh, reason behind all of this mm-hmm. ethereum a- attracted a lot of developers from various communities and and they built numerous wallets there are wallets that uh representing your nfts in a, in one way there are wallets that represent your nfts in another way there are beautiful there are just uh, this this decentralization of development attracted to ethereum uh that just reassures you that if you lose a wallet, then you can pick another one. And that's why Ethereum just is a king right now.
0: Right. So let's get into the platform. So this is a marketplace, correct?
1: That's an issuance platform and marketplace.
0: Okay. And where you can also mint these, uh, these NFTs. When you think about marketplaces and you think about the artists and the people out there that are coming on Rarible, what is your kind of role in this place? Is it to create audience? Is it to create, you know, buyers? You know, obviously you'll have the sellers on there, but how do you actually create like the next, and I am saying this in a way so people can understand the analogy. And again, I understand from a technical standpoint, I understand that, you know, the world of NFTs and, you know, the world that we live in is a little bit different. But for those that are trying to understand this, this is kind of like an Amazon you know, if you will, where it's a marketplace, where you have buyers and sellers. Um, So what is Rarible's role there? Is it to ensure, you know, scarcity isn't to ensure that these collectibles are, you know, uh, up to snuff, that they're they're legit, uh, that there are no copies out there? What is Rarible's role as, you know, kind of becoming the marketplace of marketplaces for NFTs?
1: obviously the variable tool here is to provide tools so uh, nft is just a standard but like how do I create nft uh the first idea behind variable was just okay nft space is small uh, it has only 100. Uh, million dollars worth of NFT sold out there at all. That's, that's a small size. Uh, there are several applica- applications of NFT and people use it for games, people use it for music, people use it for pictures. And uh, we think that a, a new use case for NFTs is about to come. So uh, when we created variable, we created it use case agnostic. So That initially is a tool to create anything and wrap it inside this NFT, inside this standard of owning something digital on-chain. And uh, and to put it in a marketplace, just just three clicks, picture, name, description, price, marketplace, and it's done. So uh, that started as a way to provide tools for people Mm -hmm. to create these digital rights and to trade them on on the second step. Right. This idea paid well. Uh, artist community is starting to pick up the platform and started creating digital art and after that we provide them new tools we provide them a tools to create their own marketplace their own page with their own picture with their own cover with their own story we, we provided some verification tools to understand like who's legitimate and who's not the next Uh, The next big story is to provide tools to connect buyers and sellers. So we definitely outgrew this simple flat marketplace. And now we need to connect people who want to buy something and who want to sell something. That's Mm -hmm. why we introduced likes and followings and categories and staking. This is all about to come.
0: Right. So let's get a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. So, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Rarible is taking a shift towards becoming a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Hopefully people who are listening to my show know what a DAO is at this moment in time because I've talked about it for the last year, year and a half or so. But if you don't, again, a decentralized autonomous organization. And with that, you have launched a governance token, Rarible, uh, going by Rari. So let's talk about this because we've talked about this Individually focused on decentralized finance, where the projects out there have now, like Compound, over the last seven, eight months, launched their native token, their governance token. What is the idea behind going to a DAO? And what is the governance token? What does it do for those that are participating in it?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a complex term. Let's try to unwrap it slowly so uh during the whole existence of the platform we had these uh different uh problems and tasks that we needed to solve like at some point people started to making remixes of art and, and then they started to copy the art. and at some point we need to draw the line like what is the remix and what is the copy what is the copy of the, of the work uh, and who will do want to highlight the new and artists and promising artists and who do we don't want to highlight? And, uh, being just at the center of this decision that is highly antithesis of everything happening on blockchain. And that's why we don't really like to do that. Uh, we don't really like to decide what to put on marketplace and what to take off. And that's why um, we have been always in close contact with the community and we wanted to community for community to make, to make decisions. And the launching of governance token is the, is the, um, ultimate step in, in continuing this process of giving power back to community. So, uh, right now we are moving into direction of being the first community, purely community owned marketplaces out there. Um, governance token works the same as in DeFi pro- projects. The, the ultimate goal is to have a DAO that controls the protocol. That controls the parameters, as fees on that are taken on the marketplace. That controls the the roadmap of features. That is doing uh, some some decisions on on what which team should build the next feature of where this fund will came from uh, for this particular feature. So all of this all of this should be controlled by DAO at some forcible future. Um, and uh, this is this is the the slowly slow, slow road that we're taking here. Uh, mm-hmm. We already launched the uh, the first proposal that went live uh, about deciding what, what would be the size of the fees on the marketplace and who will take the most, uh, what would be the distribution between the buyer and seller paying the fees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This this worked pretty well. About 50% of users participated in, in, in the decision making and, and they picked what they liked the most and uh, the fees went out there. And they represent what community wants. Now we have several ideas uh, that are discussed in the community how to change some distribution model because we are rewarding users with very The users who trade on the marketplace they are rewarded for each sale or for the size of the sale that they created, and that's why this creates this recursive loop of rewarding users who are trading on the on the platform with the governance power to this platform so basically the users who this platform is built for will be at the will of the platform
0: so let's talk about that a little bit more so unfortunately we're a population of about 7.8 7.9 billion people out there unfortunately there are a segment of people out there that are horrible that are despicable that do things that you know make your stomach turn and you know we are building censorship resistant type of platforms out there uh, to combat what we've seen historically you know over the last you know few centuries and so you know moderating uh, that you know in terms of a open source platform you know that is obviously censorship resistant you know how i know this is a challenging kind of aspect of this but I believe you're, and I think you alluded to it, and I think this is important to just hit on a little bit more, I believe you're trying to consider implementing a system analogous to Aragon Court. Um, so if there's a dispute or if someone comes on there and, as I said, puts out a piece of art that is horrendously, you know, kind of disgusting, is, you know, obviously, you know, something that evokes terrible feelings and thoughts. Um how do you actually remove them?
1: Okay, so let me dive a little bit deeper on that. Um, the way it works right now is that we as a team, uh, we are trying to be like the medium the medium of representation of what community thinks about it. So usually when something bad happens on the platform, we receive numerous signaling from the community that this should not have happened like you guys need to remove this and and the same happens when there is someone who need who we need to verify as a platform so we we are following the community sentiment on what's happening here and that is uh, basically the premise towards what we want to achieve and and this goes into two different directions the first one is the community proliferation? So we want to build like this a set of communities, not just one community that are governing governing each themselves. So con- like uh, consider this as a Reddit for for marketplace. And another one, we want a better tools. We want to have a better governance tools, like you said, Aragon Court for this community to be able to operate themselves without ma- ma- a lot of manual work. So. That, that's that's the basic idea behind all of it.
0: Got it. So you and I were talking before this, uh, before we started getting on, that over the last few weeks, there was a massive push in d- digital assets in this ecosystem with decentralized finance. We saw just an explosion of platforms coming out there, and a lot of them have come on the show and we have had a lot of great, you know, founders and co-founders come on and talk about what they're building, why they're building it. And then all of a sudden, it was very palpable. It was, it was something that you could feel over the course of the last two to three weeks. And again, we're kind of getting towards the end of September here. So for when we get this out, you know, so people can understand the timing here, that everyone started saying, oh, what about NFTs? What's going on with NFTs? Your company, your project, obviously, was at the forefront of that, and there were other ones out there, but it was a very, very palpable, very observable sentiment shift amongst a lot of the community members out there about this interest in NFTs. And as you know, and if we've been talking a little bit you know, on the show and people will start to get a sense of, this world did not just come about in the last six months. There has been infrastructure build here, and there's been platform build for years, um, just in the gaming space alone. Within digital assets and blockchains, you know, gaming was probably starting around you know 2014, 15, if not a little earlier. And gaming is just a part of this whole NFT world, but this is not new. This has been a, a slow evolution, and then all of a sudden, in the last few weeks, everyone said NFTs, NFTs, NFTs. Why do you think that is?
1: I believe that's a logical consequence of of DeFi booming. So, and, uh, during two thousand seventeen, there was a large set of experimentation. Obviously, like uh, just there was an explosion of of projects that were promising to do something with blockchain, that were promising to put something on blockchain, and that's and that's how it happens. So, like uh, just uh, the new tool is there. Let's try to do. Everything with this new tool, and let's see what sticks. This happened in two thousand seventeen, and that was when the first experiments of digital games and digital items uh, were run. And then, mostly out of this moment of two thousand seventeen, what what mostly stuck uh, is a DeFi, is the decentralized finance, is the idea of having decentralized insurance, decentralized banking services, decentralized banking services, and this this whole idea started to receive a lot of attention this year. But all that attention is is happening from the users who came in the space in 2017. So it's all the same people. It's all the same people who already know how to use blockchain, who are already into crypto, who are just uh, waiting here for something new to emerge. And it's it's all the same people and this is the idea when we understand that okay we have a better tools now but uh where do we have a new audience from like how do we teach people these tools and here comes this NFT stuff because it's easy it's so easy and when you talk to a new people who isn't in blockchain and you're trying to uh, to explain to him okay now you can open up an account and you can go with your money and to put them into some pool why or btc pool that will allow you to, to have a yield of 17% on your BTC this is hard this mm-hmm. is difficult for the person and when you when you tell him okay you go to the marketplace you connect your wallet and you start collecting and selling digital art that makes sense so this is working as as an on ramp to the more difficult topics and as a more useful Uh, more broad, more, more simple, more close to the audience use case for this whole decentralized tools.
0: Very, very good insight. And yes, you are correct that the world of decentralized finance for those that are outside of this box is not that easy to get around obviously there have been projects out there that have tried to make it easier like we had nodar from zapper on the other day and i agree that you know again the world out there have a better understanding of art and games there's over 2.5 billion people out there who play games you know there's been people who've been collecting art for hundreds of years and so <clears throat> logically yes I, I think you you're onto something there as we're wrapping up, where can people find out more about Rarible and, you know, if they wanted to buy things, participate, where would they go?
1: Yeah, they just go to rarible.com. I believe uh, that's that's the best place to find everything. We have all the links there. You can join Rarible Twitter, you can join Rarible Telegram community, Rarible Discord, because it's all about community, about people teaching each other about how to do stuff. And you can always find me on Twitter. It's Twitter uh, my Twitter handle is insider zero x. Um, you can write me stuff. Uh, I can help you to set up a new account if you're interested. To uh, we personally onboarded a lot of non non crypto users to this whole new magic world, and we're happy to do more.
0: That's awesome. This was Alex Skalnikov, co-founder at Rarible, a project that you all should definitely take a look at. And as uh, Alex, very very well established that this is a very interesting world that has really gotten a lot of attention lately so alex thank you for coming on hopefully we can have you on again in a few months and see how things are progressing over at rarible
1: thanks thank you for having me happy to be here again
0: Thanks for listening in to Basslayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage, and let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.